Hello and welcome to another episode of The Mexican Onda. If you haven't joined us beforehand on this podcast, what we usually do is dive deep into the choppy waters of the Mexican soccer world, discuss the bigger talking points, the drama, and all the storylines that emerge from the CONCACAF powerhouse. We tend to focus on the Mexican national team, but also regularly explore other topics related to El Tri. My name is Cesar Hernandez, and joining me on today's footballing podcast journey are my good friends Tom Marshall and John Arnold. Quick hello to you, John. Uh, I know you're just having some Cheez-Its. Uh, but after you've had a few of those, are you ready to review 2019 for Mexico? Uh, yeah, that was a great intro, Cesar. And I, I, not only am I ready to review 2019, I'm ready to just get another podcast episode in the feed. I got a few messages from some of you listeners out there who had the Mexican Onda in your Spotify Whoa, best of the year. Yeah. And, and since we've only done like two or three episodes, that means either you listen a lot of times or you don't listen to any other podcasts on Spotify. Whichever column you're in, and maybe you're in both, uh, we do thank you for listening, and we're excited about this look back on the year. Watch out, Bad Bunny. We're catching up to you. Uh, how about you, Tom? Are you <laughs> are you ready to, to talk 2019? Uh, well, three. Yeah, ready as I'll ever be. Um, yeah, definitely for the uh, quality over quantity in with the Mexican under, but, um, <laughs> but yeah, should be a good should be a good podcast this one. All right, well, let's let's do this, boys. Let's dive into Tata's first year. And I think the first thing we should start off with is just our overall grade for, for Tata in 2019. So really quickly, just a quick little summary. He got the Gold Cup title in 2019. Uh, he had a perfect run the group stage of the Nations League. He had 16 wins and one loss. He had 47 goals for and 17 against. Seems like a pretty good year in theory. I think a lot of people are going to be talking about that loss against Argentina, but John, what what would you, what would you give for Tata's first year? Because I would give him a pretty good grade. Uh, I'll tell you guys later. But what are you going to give him? Well, I can't wait for years. I'm giving him an A. Yeah. I, yeah, I think the blemish is obvious. It's the Argentina game, which I think you have to put into context. And I think you know Martino after the game even sort of said you know he didn't use excuses. He used his best team, used his best players, and they failed. But it was down to you know individual mistakes and. And some bobs here. Clearly, Mexico is not ready to compete with Argentina or France or the big boys. And maybe we'll get another chance to see that in March in 2020, uh, which I'm sure we'll get to in a moment. But but when you look at the things you just listed, if you started out the season setting out the goals for the Mexico national team, I think those were the goals. Win the Gold Cup, move into the next round of the Nations League, and you know have Martino sort of put his stamp on the team. You know, beyond results, I think that that identity that Martino has established, and I do think it's pretty well established, was very important for for him, especially and for his coaching staff. And so I, I really can't find too many faults other than one specific night in September in San Antonio. And I don't think that's enough for me to dock him a letter grade. I'm sticking with an A. Yeah, I'm sticking with an A as well. I mean, he transitioned in some of that young talent as well. He worked with League of Mexico's clubs to allow those mini camps. So I'm sticking with an A. What do you think, Tom? Because I think I would give him an A plus if he would have got a good result against Argentina. But I'll, I'll, I'll stick with an A for now. Um, I'm going for B plus. B plus. Oh, okay. B plus. Okay. Um, yeah, I think I think the Argentina result in 90 minutes. So it's always. It's always difficult to to kind of uh, you know bring him down just off the one result, um, but it was like it, it was a bad result. It was a really bad result against pretty much I don't know maybe can we say the only elite team that Mexico played and and you know with his full squad as well. I mean that was the time where he was supposed to be blending the youngsters with the 
with the with the older players and and it completely failed. I mean, it, it quite spectacularly, really, when you look at that how that first half went. Um, but yeah, no, I agree with all the other points about you know bringing the younger players forward. Obviously, that's been for me the biggest uh, success story is that you know you've seen the development of some of the younger players who now look like a lot nearer being full national team players. I don't think they're there yet, but a lot nearer being full national team players than they did last November when Guillermo Ochoa came out and said, this is a national team that doesn't have a path. You know, I think that's the that, that's the biggest thing. But I, I also think, you know, there were certain games that things didn't go well. I mean, the Bermuda yeah. game, obviously, there's reasons behind that because of the, the, the in terms of the team he picked, but he still it didn't look great. Um, you know, to be behind for so long against Bermuda and, and to, you know, get that late win. Um, and then, you know, the games against Haiti in the Gold Cup, the game against Costa Rica as well, I thought Mexico struggled to put opposition away in both those games. So, yeah, um, I'm going B+, plus, really positive year. Um, but, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm not getting carried away, though. There's still a lot of yeah. work to do. And the biggest disappointment this year, um, and I think it's something we're going to see repeated, in 2020 is the the lack of opposition of quality opposition to really really start judging Tata Martino. He knows it as well, but it's it's just that it's the thing that's going to be missing maybe all the way until 2022 and, and the actual World Cup. Well, Tom, you say no elite opposition except for Argentina, maybe, but you're forgetting Martinique uh, in the Gold Cup group stage. No, I, I'm joking. <laughs> but, but that is a game where they what's also it called the right? duck. What, what what's the uh, what was the play called? Ducker duck, ducker. Duncan's Nazon, the the Haitian forward. Yeah, Duncan's nah, Nazon. Nah, we're talking Martinique. We're talking even more obscure. No, but How legitimately, that's another game that they did struggle in. I think you're right. The Gold Cup wasn't. It, it, it's easy to sort of well, and maybe I've done so a little bit with giving it an A, but it's easy to sort of whitewash it and say you know, great tournament, perfect tournament. They they didn't they didn't struggle, but you know they they only beat Martinique by a goal, and that was a pretty gritty game. Now they were already through. It was an alternative lineup. You can kind of do the same thing you're doing for the Bermuda game, where you say, well, listen, that was not Mexico A. Um, but, you know, Mexico A, I guess you could say, was in extra time against Haiti in the Gold Cup semifinal and lost that game to Argentina. So I guess on the one hand, I, I get the opposition point, and for sure it's it's relevant, and I know Martino wants to play better teams, and it's sort of the commercial realities that we talk about. But at the same time, Mexico beat the teams in front of them, sometimes convincingly, sometimes not. But I think you also have to kind of grade on a curve in a lot of ways and say... Yeah. Well, okay, Mexico struggled with Bermuda in the CONCACAF Nations League, but it's not like that's the team that Martino would use right now were he to have to play a match that actually mattered. And, and, and I think that with whatever is, slash, I guess was, rumored to be happening behind the scenes with players like Chicharito, Herrera, and Tecatito, it would have been that surprising if this was a year with plenty of complications for Tata. You know, we could have been talking about some serious issues that happened in the Gold Cup, maybe some other complications in the Nations League group stage. But I think instead, numerous alternatives stepped up for Ultri. I mean, you had Antuna. He had, I think it was seven goals. Macias had a handful of goals. Charlie Rodriguez continues to excel. Pizarro had a handful of goals as well. And I think that, I think what was interesting is that more than anything else, I think this, what we saw in 2019, and with that too, it's just he was able to highlight the extended depth that Mexico now has in several positions. And it makes me feel optimistic, you know? So I, I don't know. I, I think that I'm, I'm fairly happy with how that that did in 2019 and yeah you know ideally you don't want to see those 
one nothing wins over Haiti or you know that draw against Costa Rica, that narrow win over Martinique. But I, I think when you consider what was maybe happening behind the scenes and that you know and that he has been trying out new options, I'm I'm pretty happy with with how the year went. I think it's a smart strategy, Tom. I, I don't know if you agree, but I think that Martino has, like Cesar said, expanded the depth of the pool because I think when you look at sort of where, why does Mexico keep falling short? Why are that not making the Quinto Partido? For me, the issue is, <laughs> it sounds very basic, but the players aren't good enough. And if you start right now with a 20-year-old Macias, with even players you know who we don't necessarily rate as highly, even like, okay, like fullbacks. I think we saw with Jorge Sanchez, uh, Sanchez and uh, Chicote Calderon in the Leguia, like these players are not yet the finished product. Both of them had pretty difficult games in the in their semifinal, the first leg semifinals that they played. But they are promising. They have a lot of potential and now they're getting that time with the national team and understanding what Tata wants them to do and how they can improve going forward. And Tom, for me, that's one of the the bright spots for Mexico this year. And one thing that I think maybe helps Tata push from B to A for me in that I really do think he's setting up a path for not only Olympic qualification in Guadalajara, not only the Nations League semifinals that they'll have next summer, but really looking at 2022 and even 2026, whether he's there or not, I think he's really trying to kind of draw up a big picture master plan. And for me, that's very important. Yeah, I mean, that, that's the that's the best thing that's happened this year. More than the Gold Cup, more than yeah. obviously the, the Nations League. I mean, the most important thing is that they need to rejuvenate this squad from from the 2018 World Cup squad to whatever it's going to look like in 2022. Um, and yeah, it's been it's it's been you know, it's been that's been really positive. Um, I don't know. I, I think I think certain people in the media do get carried away, though. Um, and I think, um, you know, we were hinting at it then. Up. You call me up? No, no. What's, what's, what's wrong with my You know, the, the likes of Jorge what's Sanchez. <laughs> but I mean, all the all the players we mentioned so far, you know, the younger players that have done really well. How, how many uh, are fighting yet? You know, to get an actual place right now in a starting eleven. What I'm saying is, this is only the first step. You know, and and I'm, I'm just being cautious, basically. And if you look mm-hmm. at the records mm-hmm. of the what the last four or five permanent Mexico managers, they always they always do this. They always go on really really good runs early on in the reign. Um, usually in the year after the World Cup. Um, you know, Chepo, Arreda, um, and and Marti and Osorio and now and now Martino's doing the same. So yeah, I, I think that's the that for me is going to be the define um, that that issue of of how good this younger generation is is going to define Mexico in 2022 and and going beyond to 2026. Um, and I think Martino knows that, and that's why he's that's why he's kind of that's why he's doing this. Um, the big question mark though is how many of these younger players. Are going to go the way of Orbelin Pineda, and how many are going to go the way of Edson Alvarez? You know what I mean? Because there's, yeah. there's a there's a massive difference. Whereas if you look to those players when they were just coming through and just establishing themselves in Liga MX, you probably wouldn't you probably wouldn't have the, the, the kind of talent ceiling for both of them wouldn't have probably been too different. Um, but obviously Edson Alvarez has taken this path that has seen him become probably the player of the year for Mexico. Um, for me, one of the first names on that team sheet, and you've got Orbelin Pineda, who, who Tata has into the squads a little bit, but he's obviously a long way in terms of his projection um, to compared to what he was a few years ago. And I think a lot of the, the the success of this year, which I think has been you know a great foundation 
for Tata Martino. He's he, he's relying on those players, and Mexico doesn't have the the depth of of talent as as some of the South America, the big South American nations, Argentina and Brazil. Um, you know, Charlie Rodriguez, he's looking brilliant. You know what I mean? Is he going? Is that going to continue now? Um, and I think that a lot of of Martino's process is going to depend on 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 this group of players. Um, so so far. So good, but I think Martino himself knows that there is still a long, long way to go to get, you know, a Roberto Alvarado challenging at the same level as, um, I don't know, a Tecatito, for example. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but I, I think, like you mentioned there, Tommy, the reason why I continue to feel optimistic is I feel like there's a great foundation there. You mentioned that, and I think what's been most impressed for me is that everybody seems to be buying into Tata's approach and to his strategy. I mean, whether it be a younger option or more seasoned veteran. They all seem to work extremely well in the 4-3-3 formation. They've all, you know, quickly built some chemistry together. They've built some, like, a nice amount of cohesion. And I think, you know, you know, nothing against Osorio. I was actually a big fan of him. But I think that there's something also very satisfying about knowing what Tata's going to be doing in most of his games through his attack-minded 4-3-3 formation. And I think that a lot of, like I said, whether it be, uh, you know, Chicharito when he returned, whether it be... I don't know, Macias, whether it be Charlie Rodriguez or Guardado, you know, you just you put any of those number of options there and they seem to quickly buy into it. They seem to quickly understand what Tata wants. And I that's why I feel really optimistic heading into 2020. But um, go, yeah. go ahead, John. The, the uh, only thing I'll say, just quickly, the, the one thing I will say is, though, they will stumble and then the question will be, where's your plan B? I mean, it's guaranteed. It's, you know what I mean? I can see it now on the TV shows. You know, they'll stumble, for example, to get that draw against Bermuda, and it's like, where's your shifting up from uh, from your four three three? You know, so I don't know. I, I just feel like there's gonna come there's gonna come a time with the problems. And and going back to those players, for me, it, it goes back to something Osorio said a lot. How many of those players are gonna play at club level at elite teams? Because there's only so much a national team coach can do, and I agree. Tata Martino is doing, is you know, he's been brilliant. Just the the way he's he's, he's refreshed this whole national team. Um, but I still it's, it, there's, there's there's still a lot of question marks. Um, and I'm not talking about the Concacaf region either. I'm talking about you know going to a World Cup. Not, I know Mexico at 11th right now, but firmly in the in the top 10, um, matching it with I don't know. I still think that a you know that this group of young players has still got a long way to go. Um, to reach even the level of Hector Herrera, um, Andres Guardado, you know the players that Hector Moreno, the, the players that we've actually we've seen, we saw it in 2018, and we 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 kind of heralded them as this generation that was all going into the World Cup at the peak. Um, and and it, you know, can this generation, you know, do something similar with the club careers as well, or or, or are they going to remain in Mexico? They're going to go elsewhere, you know remain on this continent i think that's for me a massive massive issue um yeah. it's something that tata can't do too much well, about to be honest and i thought i i don't know this is a little off topic uh big surprise and i don't know <laughs> what you guys think about it but i thought it was a little counterintuitive that martino pushed for the uh easing of the foreign player um uh, or the restriction rather of the foreign players because to me if I'm Roberto Alvarado or, or a similar player and I'm playing for the national team and I know that Cruz Azul has to start X number of Mexicans in the game, I'm not saying you don't push as hard in training, 
but in some ways you don't push it hard as hard in training whereas if you got you know took the path of a Tecatito an Eric Gutierrez whatever you want to say even a Linus while he struggled you know he's still fighting for a place I think he's still learning things and people want to just leave him for dead he's a teenager who's on a La Liga team and he can't get us get a get minutes but that's not necessarily that's not the end of his career right he he still has plenty of potential and he's learning things that I don't think he would have been learning were he just getting ready for the second leg of the Liga semifinals right now as we record this so I, I was a bit Sort of, I, I understand some of the motivations, but I wonder if the the sort of uh, restriction on foreign players and trying to get more Mexicans in the starting lineup in some ways is counterintuitive. I know that people are fans of it because of you know moments like Andres Guardado coming in at a very young age and Chicharito, and and you can sort of attribute some of that success to those players getting opportunities while stricter re- regulations, stricter rules were in place. But I was surprised because I feel like there are so many of these players now who Martino has either called into mini camps or used in these senior games who are going to be in Liga Mekis because you're just not going to see 20 guys get signed in the next two transfer windows. But I think the the reality of football in our region but right plus now... Plus, it's, it's, di- it's difficult to replace the players. Yes. I mean, if, if Alvarado yeah. goes to yeah. Europe, yeah. Then, then you have to get another Mexican. So the incentive to sell a Roberto Alvarado to Europe is, is less because... It, when right. you're going to get a Mexican player right. of that quality. And, and that's the thing is that the reality of our region still, and we'll say it and every manager will say it or talk around it, as much as we love the local game, the best players are still being produced in Europe and the best players for our national teams are still those who go early to Europe, face challenges, overcome them and become better because of it. So to me, that is a huge key, Tom, and you're absolutely right that all this progress will go for naught if these young players aren't able to take that next step. And I wonder if we haven't discouraged them in some ways from taking that next step with these regulations. So, yeah. so what do you think? I don't know. I, yeah. I, I have, I have yeah. mixed feelings uh, about this new uh, foreign player rule because, I mean, I, I don't think just because they'll be given minutes doesn't mean that they're immediately going to be having success. You know, there, there yeah. is no guarantee yeah. through that. And also you wonder, okay, this seems like it's kind of more so of a short-term solution. Maybe a better long-term solution is if, we were to look towards academy, maybe incentivizing, you know, more you know, investment in those academies and I don't know, somehow making them grow. I don't know. I, it's just, I, I feel, I, I think obviously there are going to be players who are going to benefit from it. We don't know which players are going to be, but I mean, we've, we've seen before in the past, you know, players like Chicharito and Guardado, you know, benefited from a previous rule like this uh, in the past. So maybe we'll see more situations like that. But once again, is this, is this just a short term fix? And, or we're just going to see, yeah, I don't know, some player gets just a few more minutes, a few more starts, you know, with the Liga Mekis team. And is, is that really going to lead to much for the national team? I'm not sure. I, 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 I don't know. I, I'm not entirely sure. I don't know. Tom, what do you think? Um, I, I don't like the rules, um, you know, that limit these kind of things. Um, and just just out of principle, because I think it should be a, the club's philo- the club should be able to decide their own philosophy and i think it's there's an irony that i feel like right now in Liga mx there's more clubs with the philosophy that is kind of producing younger players you know <laughs> i don't know for, for for the last few years at least i mean you've got the likes of even america now i mean america a core principle of club america right now is producing young players and yeah. they've done an amazing job at it um, you know, you've got the likes of even Monterrey are kind of producing players now. You know, they, these are the two; these are some of the richest clubs. Um, I think Atlas are very much going back to that route. Um, you know, as a principle, as a, as what they 
want to do as a club. Santos Laguna are doing it. Pachuca are doing it. Leon have given chances. Chivas are always going to give you know younger players a chance. So it's just there is an irony that now I mean it's basically it seems aimed squarely at Tigres to be honest. I mean it's just Tigres is the team that is the kind of you know and and if every team in Liga of Mexico was like Tigres then it'd be really really difficult for young Mexican players. I mean I don't you know I don't know how, how it would work but yeah no it's. Uh, I don't know. My, my my biggest problem though is I don't believe that the Liga MX that Liga MX has kind of put together a commission of how this affects the league and the national team in one year, five years, ten years, twenty years, and that that's the problem. That's the problem with the model of the league when you've got you know eighteen, fourteen, fifteen owners kind of sat together in a room throwing numbers around, and it it just it's one of these muddled decisions that you see in the Mexican game because of how it's set up, and I think that. Um, We've seen that, you know, with Veracruz, we, we see this with, with numerous issues. It's, it's not kind of fully thought out. Even the, you know, the, playing the, the younger player for a certain amount of minutes, it's like, it's like Tuca Ferretti who's actually right about this. It's like you, you give the player the minutes in one season, then he turns 21, 22, yeah. then, he's, yeah. then he's not qualified. And then it, then where does he go? You know, if, he's, yeah. if he wasn't ready yeah. when yeah. he was stepped in, then what happens to him? Yeah. I don't know. I, I've, I've merely it's, it's driven... A, yeah, again, I, I, I just don't think they've done the research. I've, I've merely driven us off track, and we can sort of only wait and see what's yeah. going to happen in the future with these things. But Cesar, what were the moments, as we look back toward the national team and back at 2019, what were the moments that, that as a Mexico fan, as uh, I think you might call yourself, and a Mexico journalist <laughs> as well, uh, what were the moments that sort of filled you with glee? What were the high points? I, I think we can all kind of agree that the you know a Gold Cup win and, and these, this youth development that we talked about are, are big, strong points. The low point, pretty obviously the Argentina game. Were there high points or low points for you that maybe we're overlooking, that maybe we didn't think about that brought us smile to your face or, or made you uh, almost cry uh well let's let's I'm, I'm looking more specifically at the roster and i'm looking at some of the players who stood out to me mm-hmm. uh, and i think one of the high points for me was just seeing edson alvarez just continue his exponential growth you know it, it, it's easy when you look at this roster and you look at the guaranteed starters from mexico you'd be like oh yeah Ochoa, you know 34 year old player he looks like a guaranteed starter jimenez you know now in his late 20s you know he looks like a guaranteed starter you know you, you look at some I don't know, maybe like uh, Lozano, obviously. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But then you look at you look at Edson Alvarez, and he's he recently turned twenty two. Mm-hmm. You know, this is a very very young player, but also at the same time, he he looks like a future captain for all three. You know, I, I I've been incredibly like impressed by the role that he's taking with Mexico, what he's doing in Europe, and you, I mean, kind of bringing it back to well, not bringing it back, just kind of like uh, touching on what we were just talking about earlier. You know, you, you keep your fingers crossed that you'll see more examples of a player like this going forward from Mexico. Whether we see that or not, I don't know. It's 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 going to be it's going to be tough for some of those players to leave Liga Mekis. But I, I think for me, it's just seeing that continued growth of Edson Alvarez, and I, I'm just I don't know. I'm just uh, incredibly happy to see him every single time, and he looks like just I mean, you know, going forward that he's to be Mexico's you know starting defensive midfielder. You know, in any you know tough situation, in, in, a, in a match against, I don't know, let's just say, I don't know, let's like a match against the U.S., a match against, let's say, if it were going up against Argentina again, you would expect uh, Edson Alvarez to be there. So, yeah, yeah, I think for me, clear highlight for me is Edson Alvarez. Yeah, he's had a great year, and especially after the difficult World Cup that he had, I think it's been kind of nice to see him emerge. He seems like a good guy, you know, on his social media and All everything. Right. 
Uh, I do kind of have some concerns about him as the single midfielder. I think that Martino needs to keep kind of evolving him in that place because we've seen sometimes without a partner, I think he can uh, maybe not be the strongest defensively. So I'm interested to watch that evolution. But Tom, what about you, man? What what was something that you felt that was a highlight that maybe we haven't gotten to yet on the show that wasn't lifting a trophy or moving in on the Nations League? Were there any uh, good strong points for you? Um, yeah, I was actually going to say the Gold Cup. I mean, you know, <laughs> yeah. we, can, we can we can say we can say you know, in the grand scheme of things, you know, there, the, it wasn't the most important thing because I think you know the development of the young players. But 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 beating the US twice and doing it quite convincingly, especially the second time. But but when you look back at that Mexico starting eleven for the Gold Cup final, it was a young starting team. It was nowhere near what a full strength eleven would have looked like at that point. Um, and then you look to the US, US team, which are going through a generational change as well. But, you know, they had Pulisic in there. They had, they had, they had their, they were a lot closer to what a starting 11 would look like. And, and, you know, for Mexico to lift the cup, that's important. I mean, yeah. I mean, you know, forget if it's concrete, it doesn't matter. Beating your rivals is important. And well, then going and, doing and it in that friendly and doing it with absolute yeah. authority. Yeah, exactly. yeah. And, and then, and then in the friendly as well, and, and you can see the US were, a bit, they were very disappointed, especially, you know, even with, with the friendly as well. Um, and, they, you know, and, and, and that's from a rivalry point of view, that's what you want to see. Mexico defeated them twice and convincingly, and that was it. And, and yeah, I thought that was massive. And, and then on, in the same, same boat as uh, Cesar with Edson Alvarez, I think the other player in terms of the, the more established names is Raul Jimenez. I mean, this is yeah, the yeah. first year yeah. where he's been Mexico's time. This is the year where he's looking like captain at all. This is the year where he's looked like, you know, for club and country, that he, he's going to cause damage in every single game he plays. He looks physically bigger right now to me. Um, he's dominating defenders. And I think that, you know, Raul Jimenez is, is looking, yeah, he's, he's Mexico's number nine at the next World Cup. And, for sure. you know, he, he's kind of he's moved in this year into a leadership role within the team. Mm. Yeah, and mm-hmm. I did, he didn't have that before because he could never have had that because he was on the bench. Right, right. You know, right. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and you know, I've I've, I've told before I've I had, I've had my doubts about Raul Jimenez, but okay. this was the year where he kind of just dispelled them all and said, "Look, I'm an absolute top top quality centre forward. I'll play any league." You know, he was he was he was the uh, PFA Player of the Year for Wool for the Premier League in you mean Player of the Month. In Player of the Month, yeah, yeah. Player of the Month. I think what what a lot of people don't realize there is he, he during that month that he played so well he even went he went and played in Panama in really mm-hmm. difficult mm-hmm. conditions and he had to come in in that Bermuda battle. game he had to yep. rescue them yeah. in Mexico yeah. and something and, and, and you know that Panama game was was an absolute battle I mean they never it's never an easy game in Panama and the way he, but I remember I remember his performance in that game he was absolutely up for it as much as any other or even more than any other Mexico player he was flying in he was going talking to the ref. And he's become a leader. So I'd, I'd say those two things. I think let's not diminish the Gold Cup. Um, and then secondly, Raul Jimenez is 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 like a is a real star now. He really is. Yeah, and quickly on Jimenez, you know that Panama game. There were the reports that he wasn't even going to make it on the plane. You know, people yeah. were thinking he wasn't going to be part of the team. And then not only does he fly, he plays in the very first game. It's away. It's humid. It's a difficult place to play. The Panama defenders are well, as Chucky Lozano found out in the first game in the Azteca. Uh, sometimes a bit brusque, let's say. <laughs> and. Uh, and yeah, I think it was impressive. The other thing that, that Raul has really impressed me with is that I think he's becoming a multi-functional player.
player. Yeah. I think he fits into various systems much more than he did previously, where for a while I felt, maybe wrongly, maybe he just wasn't getting the opportunities, I felt like he was sort of a one-trick pony and sort of the the big nine that, that you, can, you, know, you can lop balls into in the box. I was totally wrong because, it, you know, with Wolves, he's connecting, he's he's on counterattacks, he's, he's doing everything. For me, my high points and low points are not too far apart, and they're both position groups. The high point for me is midfielders. Uh, maybe it's uh, simple, but uh, and, and specifically the interiores, the, the two-way yeah. midfielders. I think we've seen Charlie Rodriguez has been a really pleasant surprise for the national team. Jonathan Dos Santos continues to be a strong player, and I think someone who you can kind of rely on uh, at the next World Cup and sort of maybe is a bit of a bridge between this uh, older generation of like a Guardado, who is also in that interiores group and, and maybe still your starter in four years if he's still playing with Real Betis like he is right now. Uh, I mean, the quality, not necessarily on the roster. Um, but I think Dos Santos can play in that kind of guardado mold. Ekber Herrera can do the same. Um, so I, I think it's been really promising. And then you even look at some of the depth, you know, even talk about like a Jonathan Gonzalez, I think can still be, you know, a player there for you maybe in a couple of years who does that that job. And there's a lot of others in the pool. If we look back just a few, just a few feet, I guess, on the field, I think the center backs for me are the low point. I think it's a yeah. huge concern. You look at Nestor Araujo's individual mistakes against Argentina. I enjoy watching Araujo play. I think he's a talented player at the club level. For some reason, with Mexico, he just hasn't ever pulled it together. But he's pulled it together more than like a Diego Reyes. Now we see Salcedo starting to have struggles at the club level. And it's just kind of, you know, if Hector Moreno, at his age, playing in Qatar, is going to be your center back, your left center back and in the 2022 World Cup, I think that's a big issue. Uh, any low points think- from either of you guys? No, I think I think we we do need to touch on that. You know, I think what we're, if if we're going to be talk about that Argentina game, we do have to talk about that central defensive uh, central defensive position. And I don't want to put the blame on just a couple of players here, which I guess I'm about to do. But but <laughs> except but, but Alfonso and Salcedo, they were genuinely awful in that game, and they were the big reason why Mexico fell apart that day. And I think that really highlights the problems that Mexico has in that position. Because like you said, John, I mean, Diego Reyes is he really a viable option uh, you know moreno's I mean, not I think so. yeah moreno's not getting any younger you know you know you look at some of the younger like backup options like are you going to be playing romo there are you going to try like vasquez and you know, uncle like these these young young guys who still have so much to prove at the league of mikey's level i mean i know they've been called into these mini camps and they've been like yeah. representing like maybe recently. montes maybe but maybe, I, yeah I, exactly maybe montes and i thought i i, I think and I think that Araujo is still a very good player. You know, I still have faith in him, but I'm just not sure what's happening with Salcedo. You know, and I and I could have said that before in the playoffs. I could have definitely said I'm not sure what's happening with Salcedo before uh, before the playoffs started. But we saw what happened with him recently in Tigres. Just completely lost his head and just completely just making extremely simple fundamental mistakes and that's sort of the concerning thing for me about this position group for mexico cesar is that when you look at these players there are several of them and we're listing them you know araujo salcedo reyes to some extent some of the younger crop and you think you know on balance and when you watch film of them etc they're not bad players they're not bad defenders not bad center backs they'll have you know different strengths and weaknesses moreno you know i mentioned he's getting up there in age but still his left foot and the way he starts attack with his passing really really incredible but then you start to say you know like araujo salcedo they they they're not bad players they have the physical capabilities they seem to understand and read the game pretty well but they just at times, like you said, like lose their head. They just fall apart a little bit at times, and that's not 
you can't be doing that at the elite level. I mean, that's been a difference for for Mexico is that they haven't been able to break through. And uh, and yeah, I think it's a big issue. Tom, any big low points for the year? Anything else you wanted to add on the center backs? Um, I I don't think a bigger it's an issue. I don't think it's a big issue though. I, I think there's enough quality there. Um, you know, let's not forget that these players. Yeah, the center backs. I think okay. let's not forget that these players are only get, just getting used to um, Tata Martino as well. You know, and and how he wants to play, and you know they made mistakes and the high profile mistakes, obviously, and and you get put under the microscope. But you know, um, so well, actually, the I'm catch up. Like, no so who would, who would who would your starting center backs be? Like, if Mexico had a like a high profile game tomorrow, would it still be Araujo and Salcedo? No, Araujo Moreno. If it's tomorrow, yeah, I you know, agree. we're going going towards the next World Cup. Um, you know, because I'm not going to judge Araujo on on one bad game against Argentina. No. I'm going to judge no. him off, right, right. you know, how he's been playing at his club. And I, I'm confident that Araujo is a top centre back. I, I mean, like Araujo, but I don't think he had a great left, gold cup left either. Europe. Yeah. No, but I mean, you know, but he's a good enough player to start for this national team. Um, yes. You know, and he's, yeah. he obviously he's lacking confidence at the national with the national team level right now. But we're still three years away from a World Cup, so I, I, I'm not. I'm not overly concerned. Um, I think there is a little bit of concern when you go beyond that. And I think Salcedo's the concern. He's left Europe. He's left a top level, yeah. and now he's kind of. I think he's. I think he realizes he's made a mistake. To be honest, and I wouldn't be surprised if he left Tigres mm-hmm. um, or even went back to Europe. But he's at the end of the day, mistakes. if he does go back to Europe and he's 30 years old, um, you know, then then yeah, well, he's going to be an option. He's, he, he was one of Mexico's best players at the last World Cup playing against very, mm-hmm. very good, you know, a, a very good Germany team, a, a good Brazil team. Like, you know, I'm not either. Well, I do think, I think um, then then you're looking around and you, you're kind of worrying, you know, because Reyes, I do agree with you guys that, you know, he, he, that's concerning. His career, his career path has been extremely concerning. Uh, Cesar Montes, I think he's doing really well. Now Antonio Mohamed is... He's coming back, uh, but Mohamed likes to play kind of low block, um, and I think that suits Montes. When Tata Martino likes to play, you know, a higher higher defensive line, then I don't know if Montes is 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 that guy. Um, and I think we need we need the next generation, you know, the likes of Jesus Gomez, who was sensational at the Under 17 World Cup, Johan Vasquez, who I'm a fan of, but he just can't get any minutes with Monterrey, Sepulveda at Chivas, um, you know, those kind of guys. I think you know we, we need we need somebody else to kind of to to fill kind of fill that void a little bit. Um, I'm not convinced Romo is is an international quality player. I think he's really good at no. League MX. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but yeah, no, that's that's what I think about the centre backs. I'm not overly concerned if if we're talking in one in 12 months time and we've still got these issues and Araujo and Salcedo are still you know really really struggling to perform. Then yeah, I'd say yeah, okay, what what we're gonna do here? Uh, um, but yeah, quickly the other thing, um, the other low I thought was just this continuation of the gossip, the scandal. You know, that you thought it couldn't get any worse than 2018. I mean, it's you not going to go away. The, <laughs> it needs to go away because it's it affects the team and it affects the atmosphere around the team, and and it's not it doesn't happen to other national teams, and and the way. You know these players now. The level of professionalism they are, it's a lot. It's a lot different than 15, 20 years ago, where you could get a lot away with a lot more stuff. Um, and for, it's not this constant rumor about you know inviting girls to your hotel. 
you know, a guy from the federation getting fired for 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 letting him come in, um, and and from some of the players who who were kind of experienced internationals playing in Europe, you know, or, or outside of Mexico, to for, for those guys to be involved, it's kind of like what what is going on there? Um, I think it's a, it's a terrible example. Uh, I think the media doesn't help because obviously that's the big that becomes the big story I mean in the Nations League that was the big story because I mean, it's difficult to sell um, you know games against Bermuda and Panama and so you have to focus on something else and the players just give them the, the absolute example I don't think the brunch and all that kind of thing is, is an issue it's when it goes beyond that and there's an investigation and you know you had the issue of the kind of the bonuses and all this stuff it's just like let, you know the stuff off the field has to be sorted out um, and it was just disappointing that it was another kind of year of, of scandal um, with the national team yeah but we should we should move on and look towards uh 2020 now john i want to get your thoughts on this you know what 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 are you expecting from mexico in 2020 mm-hmm. do you think we're going to continue to see more young players working their way in do you think we're going to continue to see them doing quite well maybe you know winning the Concacaf nations league title like what, what are you expecting in 2020 for for all three more scandal i think more scandal <laughs> <laughs> um that's actually probably true just because like tom says i think of some of the the drumming up of some of our friends and colleagues of of certain incidents but uh no it's a weird year right because there's nothing really to you know with the gold cup every two years and the world cup often happening in mexico usually taking part in copa america pretty much every summer really since i think all of us have well maybe not tom old man tom but since you and I say so, have been covering uh, Mexico, there's been a big tournament every summer. The Nations yeah. League is two games uh, max and actually minimum as well because I think there's a third place game. So it's not necessarily as big of a deal. And I think that maybe makes it difficult for Martino to kind of continue with uh, some of the kind of bringing through young players. You know, we've heard some rumors. I know Tom has done some reporting about some of the potential opponents that could be in the United States in, uh, in March. You know, it sounds like one of those games is probably going to be against a pretty darn good, pretty top quality opponent. And that's good because Mexico needs that. We need more games like the Argentina game to be able to say, are are they getting better or are they staying the same or are they getting worse? Right. So I think that'll be interesting. Uh, I definitely think that that, you know, those young players, they're going to be something to keep an eye on. And maybe the more important thing for the national team is maybe counterintuitively is the club situation of those players, because if, you know, JJ Macias is, is banging him in for Eintracht Frankfurt next year, I think we're feeling in a different way than we are if he is for Chivas or Leon. So uh, that's just one example, obviously. And like I said, there's a number of players who are in those situations and not to say you can't improve your situation within Mexico. Uh, you know, Calderon at Chivas, I think will be a very interesting thing to watch if that uh, does actually happen. Like, like we all think it will. Um, and there's other situations as well. So I think that's going to be a big thing to keep an eye on. The Nations League will have some drama to it, maybe. Uh, at least will give us something to watch in the summer while other teams are playing Copa America and the Euros and everything. And, and, uh, and yeah, from there, I think it's all about sort of driving toward uh, still 2022, which is in the long term and abstract and maybe not that fun to think about and talk about. But I do think it's kind of Martino's plan. The Olympics will be good, too. You know, Mexico yeah. having won the gold medal, it's a big deal. And Martino takes it very, very seriously. So I think we'll learn something about the team from from that. But like I said, uh, Tom, to me, it's a very weird year. What, what are you looking forward to and what are you going to be kind of keeping an eye on? No, for, for, for me, it's... it's split the year into two um i think the first half of the year is all about the olympics 
and I think the Olympics are going to define the the March call up as well because I think we're going to see a lot fewer of the younger faces. Um, you know, maybe one or two, maybe a Charlie Rodriguez, um, maybe an Antuna. You know, the the, the various established national team players. Uh-oh. It's an album. Uh, Tom, I think we lost you there for a Mark second. That's why. Yeah, no, no, I think in March, I, don't, I only think there's going to be three or four of the younger players. And then moving ahead, you know, there's going to be the Olympics next summer. And then after that is when I think we're going to see the real, Mar- what Martino is really thinking. Mm-hmm. I think then we're going to see have a really good idea, come World Cup qualifying, what Martino is thinking about this group in terms of the integration of the experienced players with with the younger players. Which of the younger players does Martino really think is are good enough to make an impact at the World Cup? And which of the older players does he want to keep around? Um, you know, is Chicharito just going to be cast aside? Is Layun going to be cast aside? You know, is... Guardado going to be kept around. You know, you can make kind of predictions, but I don't. I don't. I think he's going to make some real decisions after the summer, after the Olympics, and obviously after the the the, the end of the Nations League. Um, kind of, I don't know. Kind of concluding all the kind of the experiments of this year, and then what he sees from the older players, especially in the March games, um, and then and then moving forward to the Nations League. But then after that, it's going to be like right. This is where this national team is at. So I think everything so. Far far has been kind of experimental to a degree yeah correct me if i'm if i'm wrong guys but i think uh, so mexico they're supposed to start uh the world cup qualifying in late august i believe they have uh the international window is from august 31st to september 8th for their first two matches um their third and fourth matches will be in october i believe uh early to mid-october and then their fifth and sixth matches will be in november so like tom said there you know i think it is you know, kind of a good perspective, as you mentioned there, to see the first half, you know, seeing uh, what the the younger players can do with Olympic qualifying, and that should start in March. And then uh, in the summer, um, yeah, like John said, it is going to be interesting, though, because, I mean, yeah, you do have the Olympics, but we all have become accustomed to seeing Mexico taking part in a big tournament. I almost feel like I should be starting, I should be, like, planning some sort of vacation or something, like, because uh, <laughs> I feel like I never have the summer yeah, off. Yeah, well, the Mexican Onda Cruise. Yeah, everyone can book a spot. What a weird event that would be. Uh, tickets start at three hundred dollars. I'll I'll put my Venmo out there. Uh, there's no guarantee the cruise is going to happen, but I'll leave my Venmo. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, but uh, yeah, guys. Anything else we want to talk about uh, regarding L3? I know we're we're only at like the forty-two minute mark, but anything uh, else regarding L3 from two thousand nineteen or what to expect in twenty twenty? I have, I have a passionate plea. Uh, okay. Keep reading our things. Keep interacting yeah. with us on Twitter. We love hearing from you. If you've made it 43 minutes into an English language Mexico podcast, you clearly are invested. You clearly are interested. Yeah. And it really helps us uh, when you click our stuff, when you listen to the podcast, when you uh, tweet at like the media organizations that we were like, Cesar puts a freelance piece in in a certain outlet and you, you interact with it that stuff does help so keep doing that it's not necessarily easy for us out there right now uh, just in the media world in general so we do appreciate it and that's what i would say uh, is what we want for christmas for 2019 and uh, we're looking forward to being back on the grind in 2020 
talking Mexican soccer, writing about it, and uh, and and yeah, that's my plea. Keep oh. keep clicking, keep retweeting, keep interacting. We love it. Thank you, John. Actually, yeah, hundred percent agree with that. If you want, if you want to donate money, do that as well. That's we, my, we will uh, take that's my Christmas. The- that's my Christmas message. Yeah, just on a more serious note, I think the thing I'm most looking forward to next year, and I think we, we, we've touched on it, touched on it already. But you know, the, the, the certain ones of those young players that. Uh, you know, I think people are right to be genuinely excited about. I mean, Charlie Rodriguez, what he's done this year has been absolutely sensational. JJ Macias now is a legitimate option in terms of making the, the national team squad, even when everybody's available. Um, you know, Christian Calderon has been an absolute beast. <laughs> like, he's, yeah, he, yeah. he's he's just been unbelievable for Nakaxa. Um, You know, Cesar Montes as well showing signs. I mean... <laughs> This is this the most the most interesting thing for me about this national team next year is how many of them can 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 really step up and I you know I know I'm repeating myself but can do the Edson Alvarez because it's going to be absolutely massive in you know in in twelve months time we're talking about you know th- these guys you know being fundamental parts of the national team and you know playing at a really really high level so um, so we'll see. I think the I think the opportunity is there. They're playing well enough for the club and now with the national team to attract interest from from big European sides. So let's um, let's hope that they can kind of, you know, in in the club career can, you know, can move forward as well and kind of challenge themselves. And I think that I think that the excitement level around this national team as well will will just grow along along with with their careers. So once again, many thanks to Tom, uh, many thanks to John, and of course uh, to you, the listener. And we hope you've not only enjoyed what you've seen from Mexico in 2019, but also from our project as well. Let's see what 2020 has in store, and uh, we'll see you on the next edition of the Mexican Onda. See you guys around.